And we will be back in the book of Psalms this morning, back into the psalm that we left last week, Psalm 107. You know, with all of the Christmas songs that you just heard and the fact that we are in December, the Christmas month, not quite ready to leave Thanksgiving yet. So we will spend another, another week talking about giving thanks to God for the wonderful works that he has done, for his goodness, for his mercy, for his loving kindness. The last week we saw how God heard the cries of the redeemed. And upon hearing the cries of the redeemed, he responded with good works. He responded with goodness. He responded with love towards the children of men. And he, um, and he delivered them. He said that he delivered them. He saved them. He brought them out of their distresses in their times of great need. And of the four examples that we went through, and we'll review here very, very quickly, and in those four examples that God delivered, you know, after they were put in a position which brought them to a point where they cried out to the Lord and they delivered, the psalmist each time instructed the redeemed to respond with thanks for his goodness, thanks for his wonderful works. Each time the psalmist said, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Give thanks. The question is, is, well, why does God deliver? You know, why does God save? Why does God deliver? Well, it's, it's quite easy. We are told in the very first verse here because he is good. He is merciful, and his loving kindness endures forever and ever. Oh, does God's love endure quite a bit, doesn't it? And to think how mankind was in our sinful nature and our sinful, uh, sinful place and fulfilling our sinful desires, he still extended his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love truly endures. It endures quite a bit. God is good and his mercy, his loving kindness endures forever. But we are called to give thanks and to be thankful for what God has done. But in anything, just kind of generally speaking, in order to be truly thankful in our hearts, you know, we, we should be thankful for things, and so we may say that we're thankful, but are we truly thankful for what's going on and the things that are happening around us? That's the question. And sometimes we kind of may question the different situations or scenarios or circumstances that we find ourselves in, and we say, like, it's kind of difficult for me to be questioned, or kind of difficult for me to be thankful during this time. But in order to be truly thankful in our hearts, I believe first one must notice the work that is being done, what is being done, and to have an understanding of how it is good and what God is doing and how he is bringing out good, good things to happen, even in difficult situations. So to be thankful, it's, we should be thankful in all things, yes, but to be truly thankful and to have an understanding, we need to know what's being done and the reason behind it. Maybe an explanation to see God's hand working in certain things and how that, and how that might be good. As, as we said over last week, it's just a quick overview of what, of what we went through. We saw four different ways where God, was, where God had exercised his goodness. He exercised his love towards men as they responded and cried out to them during their times of um, distresses. The first thing that we saw starting from verse 4 to verse 9, we saw the wanderer in the wilderness, that God delivers the wanderer from the wilderness. God is merciful in this. God is loving in this, and his love endures forever. God is good in this. 
And as they were at their, at their, to the point where their soul fainted, they cried out to God. And God delivered them from their distresses and he led them forth. He led them because they were, no, they were not following, right? If you're wondering, you're not following. If you're following, you're not wondering. But they came to a point where they were tired of wondering. They were tired of spinning their wheels and finding emptiness in the world around them. And they cried out to God in their time of distresses, in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses and led them away and brought them to a city where they could dwell. Oh, that men would give thanks to God for his goodness and his wonderful works. And then we looked at a, another situation where God's people, the redeemed, in their rebellion against God. It, it brought them to a point of being in bound. They were bound in prison and they were in affliction and in irons. It was because of their rebellious acts against God. And God said, um, enough is enough. <laughs> All right, enough is enough. And by his hand, his hand of judgment, of chastisement upon his children that he loved so much, brought them to a point where they were in affliction and in irons in order to bring them to a point where they would cry out to God in their trouble and that he would save them. There was a point, there was a reason why God did that. He chastised, he disciplined his children because he loves them in order that they would turn back to him and repent and then be restored to that right relationship. God is merciful and God is good and his love endures forever. All the men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works. And then next we looked in verse 17, and I was going to go back over this this week, this I did read it the last time, but it starts off saying fools, all right? Fools uh, were afflicted. And why were they afflicted? They were afflicted because of their transgression and because of their iniquity. Whenever we see the redeemed behaving um, in ways that are transgression against God's law and also in iniquities against God and sinning against God, that truly is foolish. We're talking about the redeemed of God here who are turning their back or backsliding, making decisions that are outside of God's will. It is truly foolish. One, because we have tasted the grace of God. We've experienced his goodness, his love, and yet we turn away from it to chase things of the world. And what we found in this verse is that, is that they were, they, 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 their, soul was abhorred of, they, their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to death because of their sinful behavior. And as we talked about, sin brings about a natural destructive consequence. It can have, it can have physical problems with your health. It can, it can have a mental problems. It can be emotional problems. Sin always will lead to death. And we see them at the point of death here. And after, and after sinning against God with their, with, their, um, um, with their lives, God had removed his hand of protection about them and sin had taken its course in their lives and they're at the point of death. And at that, that point, they turned to God and they cried out to him in their trouble and he saved them from their distresses. God is good and his love truly endures forever. So as they repented of their sin, God came and he saved them from their distresses. And then and finally, what we saw the situation where we had sailors who were just minding their own business. They were doing their business, doing their work, their day-to-day -day lives, and they find themselves out on the water, and they are at the mercy of the weather. They were doing everything they possibly could to keep the ship going where it needed to go. As we see in verse 27, it says, they reeled to and fro, and they staggered like drunken men, and they're at their wit's end. They've done everything that they possibly could do, but what happens now? Then they cry out to the Lord in their times of trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm and so that the waves are still, and they brings them back to their desired haven. God is good.
and His love truly endures forever. So in these four different circumstances, we can see the character of God, that God's character is good, and that His love truly does endure forever, and that He is merciful to His people. And, we see, and now we come to verse 33, where there's a division between 32 and 33, where it kind of switches gears and starts talking about um, the work of God and, and, ha- and how He deals with His people within His creation. And what we find here is, um, is some circumstances that we want to kind of ask God, well, if, if, I'm, if I'm called to return thanks, as we said before, in order to truly be thankful, we must acknowledge what has been done, but we also need to understand why it has been done. And we can truly be thankful for God and for God's goodness. Now, if we truly believe that God is good, we truly believe that God is love, as the Bible claims that He is, then we can find the good in the work that God does, always, and in, and in every case. We can find the good there. But in verse 33, we're starting in verse 33. It says, and he turns the rivers into wilderness, and the wind and the water springs into dry ground, and the fruit land into a barrenness. Let's read that again. He turns rivers into wilderness. Would we say that's negative? Yeah, we're making good land into something that is barren. And in some translations, it calls it a salty wasteland, where there's nothing that possibly could grow in this dirt that is here. It once was fertile. It was once filled with water, had water springs and rivers running through it. And now it's a wilderness. It is, um, it is dry ground and completely barren, cannot produce fruit. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Why is God doing this is the question. So why is he doing it? Anybody got the answer? Continue reading. For the wickedness. He's doing this for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. So is that good? That's the question. Absolutely. It's good because God is punishing wickedness. God is punishing evil. If God is good, then he's, going to, then he's also going to be just, and therefore he, is, he will punish evil as well. And part of the, and the result of the sinful wickedness and the behavior of the people who dwelt in the land, he, drew, he dried up the land. He's like, uh-uh, not, not in my house. <laughs> as long as you live on my earth and you live on my land, it's my rules. How many of you have heard something similar to that? <laughs> as long as you live in my house under my roof, you're going to follow my rules. There are, there are consequences when we live in God's creation and we choose to live our lives wickedly. God can and He does um, uh, bring about justice upon those people. And he, call, he, he turned this once fertile land into a barren, into a salty desert because of the wickedness of men. So is it good that God punishes evil? Absolutely. God is good. And because He is good, He cannot let sin go unpunished. Now, um, now, we also see the example here. Not only is it good that he's punishing sin, but he's also, but, he's, but in this is, is, a, is an example of him fulfilling his word. He, he, he promised that this would happen if there was wickedness in the land. And this is what it says in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 24 and verse 28. In Leviticus chapter 18, what we do is, is there's, there's uh, universal prohibitions against sexual immorality. You have the prohibition against um, uh, homosexuality, bestiality, incest. It's all within this chapter. And it says if you behave in such way that, this, that the land will vomit you out. 
as we see in Leviticus 18, chapter 24. It says this, Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, talking about the sexual immoral acts. It says, For by all of these nations are, are defiled, which I am casting out before you. Okay, so he's already cast people out of the land because of this. It says, For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits the, out the inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own, any of your own nation or any stranger that dwells among you, lest the land vomit you out, and also when you defile it as it vomited out the nations that were before you. So because of the wickedness of the people, they were vomited out. The land rejected them. They had to go somewhere else because the land was no longer any good. So is God good when he does this? Yes, because a good God, a good judge, will punish evil and, um, and see to it that it is not gone unchecked. So God is good in his disciplinary actions. Oftentimes it does seem that when the negative consequences happen to someone else, it's pretty easy to see, correct? And therefore, we can be thankful even at times whenever we can see even our loved ones who are going through difficult times, but it's because of their sinful behavior. And our prayer is that if they go through this difficult time because of their sinful behavior, that they'll turn back to God knowing that that's not the right way. We have, fam we have families and friend, uh, family members and friends who, who go through those things. And in many cases, because they have gone through that difficult time as a result of the behavior that they were, that they were um, uh, um, performing, it has brought them back to a point, look, <laughs> that is definitely not the way to go. And it brought them back to a relationship, with a, a right relationship with God. But it seems very, it seems that when the negative consequences, though, happen to us due to our own sinful behavior, that's when it's difficult to see, right? You say, well, why am I going through this? What is, what is happening to me? In some cases, it may be because of our own sinful behavior and a consequence that's naturally occurring because of what we have done, but also sometimes it is like verses 25 through 32. It's just the, it's just the, the circumstances around us, sometimes it happens. But we need to make sure that one, it's not because of sinful behavior on our own. <clears throat> now, if we do find ourselves in a situation that is negative because of our own sinful behavior, we can then look back and see, once we've gone through that and we've come back to God, we've cried out to God during our times, we can look back and say, you know what, I'm actually thankful that that took place. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to a few people and heard many testimonies um, uh, through, you know, through things on the internet and through reading letters and stuff where people, they look back at their lives and they see the most horrible time that they had ever gone through, but yet they're thankful because of it because it brought them back to a right relationship in, with God. You know, God can use those things, but his, but his hand of judgment in punishing the wicked and allowing their natural consequences, their sinful behavior to play out just to bring them to a point where they cry out to God in their times of trouble and he can deliver them. And, he will, and so, so in that situation, is God good? Does his love truly endure forever? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. So, so whenever we read this, it turns the rivers into wilderness and the water springs into dry ground and, and the fruitful land into barrenness because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. Yes, God is truly good and his love does endure forever. 
Now, starting uh, following through in verse 35. In verse 35, we see everything flip here. It says, he turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. And there he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply and he does not let their cattle decrease. Is God good? Absolutely. God is good. But let me ask you a question. Let's, let's, let's kind of turn this around. He turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. If he was to do this because of the wickedness of the people, would God be, would this be a good act? If he's rewarding wickedness. No, that's why we don't see God doing that, right? That's why we see God promising the very opposite in, in wicked behavior. He, he, reje he rejects that and oftentimes punishes that. So God, he, God in turn, he turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs, and there he makes the hungry to dwell. This is good. This is good. His action is justified by the end. The reason why he has done this is clear because, because he is rewarding good. God is good in, in, uh, in punishing evil. God is good in rewarding obedience in both, both sides of this. Another thing that we see here is to whom is getting the blessing here. It says there he makes the hungry to dwell. See, God is blessing those who are hungry. What are they hungry for? They're hungry for Him. They're hungry for His truth. They're hungry for His provisions, His blessing, His way of life. They may be someone who's experienced what it is like to live life without Him. And yet they've come back and they say, look, we are hungry for, for you. And if we are hungry for Him, He will establish the city of the dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. God is truly blessing the work of their hands in obedience here. See, God, he prepares the land, and then he puts the people in the land, and then as they are hungry for him, they go out and they cultivate the land, they plant the vineyards, and they get the harvest, and they're fruitful, and God also promises, um, promises for their people to multiply, as we see in, um, in verse 38, that they multiply greatly, giving them prosperity. And also that their possessions are protected, that their cattle will not decrease. You know, in reading this, I, I, my mind was caught back to the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, um, it, it almost mirrors this exactly as far as what God promises to those who are obedient to Him. And then He follows up with the curses. We, we touched on this a few months ago um, in, a, in a short series that, that was preached. But in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1, if I could just read this passage for you, you'll see how it just kind of lays out exactly what has been said by this psalmist. It says in Deuteronomy, it talks about this, that if you are diligently to obey. It says, now it shall pass to come if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all the commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations on earth. And that all these will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. 
Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, and blessed shall, you, shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, and the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed, blessed shall your basket and kneading bowl be. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against you to be defeated in your face. They shall come out against you and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in, all that, and, and in all to you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. He continues, then all the people of the earth shall see you and be called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you good treasure, the heavens to give the rain and your land in its season and to bless all the work of the hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow and the Lord will make you head and not the tail. That's a good place to be, the head, not the tail. It says, you shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day and are careful to observe them. Now, it's very, very clear that if we are obedient to God, that the blessings will come. Is God good in doing that? Sure it is. God is good in that he punishes evil and he rewards obedience. He rewards goodness. So why is, so why is, he, why is he making the fertile land into a wasteland? Because of wickedness. Why is he taking a wasteland and making it into fertile land and giving prosperity to the people who live there? Because they're hungry for him. Because they're good for him. God is good. His love endures forever. We should give thanks to him for he is good and his loving kindness truly endure. Is God good and loving? Absolutely. Because he punishes evil and he blesses the good. <coughs> Excuse me. And what we do see a lot of times, especially in today's world, um, in today's society that God is not good. There's actually a book written that God is not good. You can, you can find that. It's written by the late Christopher Hitchens. He wrote, God is not good. There, there, are, rooms, there, there are other books by the likes of um, Richard Dawkins. It's called The God Delusion. I mean, there, there's, some, uh, there's some other ones out there. I can't think of the name of them. But in, in, today, in today's world, there are massive groups of people, and it's vastly growing that God is not good. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that people come to the conclusion, the conclusion that God is not good? Now, now, mind you, these are atheists, okay? And it's kind of funny that you have an atheist that writes a book called God is Not Good, and you actually wrap, wrap the whole thing up and sum it up that God does not exist and I hate him, if you want to sum up the entire book on its own. But why do people come to the idea that God is not good? Why do they do that? Maybe because they have a wrong perception of who God is. Maybe they are the one that are delusioned about who God is. Not to mean that in a, in, a, in a disrespectful way, but they truly don't know who God truly is if they say that God is not good. 
what they do is they look at the things of the Bible. They, like, a, the, like, a, like whenever they go in and they, they take out the Canaanites, whenever God commands the children of Israel to go take out the Canaanites, they say, he, 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 um, he instructed them to do mass genocide on a nation. I can't love a God like God like that cannot be good. So what do you say to that? <laughs> what do you say to that? I mean, it's true. God did command the children of Israel to go in and, and take out the Canaanites. But why did he do that? That's the question. And they look at different situations here where God turns rivers into wilderness and water spouts into dry land. That's, that's not a good God. Well, it's only not a good God because you don't know, understand why he does it. Well, to answer the question about the Canaanites, for 400 years, these people sacrificed their babies on a molten hot metal idol of Molech, laid their babies on there and cooked them to death. And they would play their instruments loudly and loudly and beat their drums to, to, to drown out the cries of the baby so the mothers couldn't hear what was happening. And God said, after 400 years, enough is enough. <laughs> Go out there and take care of that. You live in my house, you live by my rules. We're not dealing with this. So that's why. So is that a bad God? Is that an evil God, the fact that he punishes evil? Absolutely not. It's not, not at all. You have a wrong perception of who God is. God is good because he does punish evil and he does, he does bless good. And also, and lastly here, he protects his people and he pours contempt on the princes. In verse 39 it says, when they, diminished, when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes. And he causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. And he sets the poor on high, far from affliction. And he makes their families like a flock. Now when they're brought down, when they're brought low, when they're diminished, through oppression and affliction, he pours contempt on princes. Now one writer, he, he, uh, he described it to be this way and, and kind of looking at this, this is kind of that this mirrors, the, um, this mirrors the past events that took place with the children of Israel, starting from verse 35 on down to 41. In verses 36 through 38, he says that that can refer to the settling of the promised land, where they go in and God has made this land flourish and fertile, and he brought the hungry there. And there, God blessed their works and blessed their efforts as they, and caused them to multiply greatly. And I can see that being, you know, a, a parallel as well. In verse 39, it refers to the hard times under the Assyrian and Babylonian invasions that went on. When they are brought down, they are diminished from oppression and affliction. And also him condemning and bringing contempt on the princes, not the princess, but the princes, um, was the humiliation and the exile of the last kings of Judah when they went into exile. In verses 31, we see there it says, Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and he makes their families like a flock. Could be the restoration of Zion after the exile. And that does, that does fit the narrative there. There's no, there's, that, that, that is quite a possibility in, in, in a way that you can certainly look at that. But is God good in this transition that he does here? Is God good that he punishes and he allows the princes of his own nation to be taken in exile? Absolutely, because they were wicked. They were going against God, and he loves his children, that he chastises them to bring them to a point where they will turn and call out to him and cry out to them during their times of trouble in order to deliver and to raise them back up. And that's exactly what he does, as we see here in verse 41. He says, the poor on high, far from the affliction, and makes their families 
like a flock and continues to grow them. So is God good and loving? That's really the question. Is God good in all that he does? Absolutely. Is God loving in all that he does? Absolutely. And if you have a true perspective of who God is and why he does what he does, then you can say, yes, God truly is loving and that God is good and his love truly endures forever. God is good, folks, and his mercy truly endures. God punishes evil and he blesses the good. Now, what can we take away from what we have gone through over the last couple of weeks, the last two weeks in this? What I want us to see is, is, it, is to wrap it up with the way the, the psalmist wrapped it up. In verse 42, it says, the righteous see it and rejoice. So what are they seeing? What do they see throughout this entire psalm here? God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace, God's loving kindness, and how it endures over and over and over again. We find ourselves in rebellion to God, wandering away from God, in situations that are too big for us to handle. And whenever we cry out to God, He delivers we cry out to God, He saves. They're acknowledging even their times of disobedience and rebellion that the righteous see it and they rejoice because of it. Why? The God is good and His love endures forever. The righteous see it and rejoice. And all iniquity stops its mouth. Quite literally, it says, and all wicked people stop their mouth. God has a way of raising up the humble and the righteous and bringing down the wicked. And in verse 43, just to bring this point up again this week, whoever is wise will observe these things. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. If you truly see God in what he does and why he does things, it's all about to bring him honor. It's about to bring him glory. But in us turning from our wicked ways and our sinful ways and our sinful behavior and crying out to him during our times of trouble and humbling ourselves before him, who gets the benefit of doing that? We do, right? Do you make God better because you repented? Do you add anything to God because you repent? Absolutely not. God is an infinite being. He does not need you. He's completely and totally self-sufficient he wants you. He wants you. Is God good? Yes. Does his love endure forever? Yes, it does. And whoever is wise will observe these things. So be wise and do what? Observe these things. That God is merciful. God is loving. God is good. His, his love endures forever. If you find yourself in a sinful walk right now, turn to him, cry out to him in your times of trouble, and he will deliver you. If you find yourself in a circumstance that's too big for you to handle, that is beyond your ability, and you can't really tie it to your own behavior, but you find yourself in the middle of it, cry out to God in your trouble, and he will deliver you from your distresses. Whoever is wise will observe these things. So if whoever is wise will observe these things, what do you call someone who is not willing to observe these things? Foolish, right? You're a fool for not observing the truth about who God truly is and what he does and his desire to be right or to have his people right with him. If you will observe these things, they will understand the loving 
kindness of God. And I truly believe if you have a proper perspective of who God is, you will see him for his loving kindness in everything that he truly does. As we prepare for our invitation, as we stand, you have a time of reflection on what you've heard this morning. Another psalm has this verse here in Psalm chapter 28 and verse 5. He kind of gives the flip side of what we just read in that last verse. It says, because they do not regard the works of the Lord, because they do not give any consideration for what God has done, because they do not give any, re- any regard to the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. It's very wise for us to consider the works of God. And when we do so, we will understand that God is loving, God is good, and he deserves our thanks and gratitude for what he has done. Let's pray.